0: Welcome to the Gregory Digout podcast. Well, we've been talking about being blessed in every way. The Bible says that it is the Lord's blessing that was in Abraham's life. It's God's blessing that wants to come upon you and overtake you. God wants you blessed in the city and blessed in the field, blessed in the good days, blessed in the bad ones, blessed when you know what to do, blessed when you don't know what to do. The word blessed means to be empowered, to prosper. Other translations say to be happy, to be fortunate, to be envied. Now, we don't want to encourage people to envy and be jealous. And jealousy is is not always good. It's rarely good, but it is good in the sense when we can make uh, an impression on people in such a way that they are jealous for the God that has blessed us. They're jealous for the God who is working through us. They're blessed. They're jealous about the God. They would like to experience the same blessing in their life that they're seeing manifest in your life. And we know that faith shows up, faith shows up in the steps we take. So the past two or three weeks I've been talking to you about what the steps that, that Abraham took or the steps that Abraham took. What are the steps that we can take to activate our faith, to really manifest our faith and to see our faith manifest in the blessings of God? The Bible says in Genesis chapter twenty four, verse one, that Abraham was advanced in age. He had become old and he was blessed in every way. But it doesn't just say he was blessed in every way. It says the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. It is the Lord's blessing. It is God's intention to bless. It is God's will for you to be blessed. Blessed doesn't mean just having enough money in your life. Blessed means having enough of anything in your life, enough of anything to be blessed with enough time to do what God's called you to do, to be blessed with enough family relationships that you need to be blessed with the church that you are a part of. Of, to be blessed at your job, to be blessed in your emotions, to be blessed in your body, to be blessed in your health, to be blessed in every way. This doesn't. I guess this really doesn't uh, limit itself to anything that doesn't come under the blessing of God in every way. If you're blessed in every way, that includes in spiritual ways. If you're blessed in every way, that includes in emotional ways. If You're blessed in every way. It includes in physical ways. If you're blessed in every way, it includes financial ways, relationship ways, family ways, in every way. I want you to start expecting this blessing to show up in your life in every way, because it did in Abraham's life. And if we belong to Christ, we're Abraham's seed and we're heirs, according to that promise to have this blessing. Jesus became a curse for us, for cursed is one who hangs on a tree Galatians 313 says Jesus became a curse for us so that we could receive the blessing of Abraham so that we could receive the blessing, it says in verse 14. Look at that, that we would receive in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham. And what was the blessing of Abraham? The Lord had blessed him in every way. I want you to see this beautiful verse in Isaiah chapter 51, verse two. And then I'm going to go through a few things. Lord corrected me about something last week and he he got he kind of got on me, not as uh, not in a bad way, but just as a father corrects his, his children. Our Heavenly Father corrects us. And it's a beautiful thing when he does, because it always produces greater realms of blessing. Look to Abraham, your father and to Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain. Remember, we're blessed with Abraham, the believer, it says in Rome, uh, Galatians, Chapter three, verse nine. And those who are faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer, and we're following the steps of the faith of our father Abraham. And it says here in Isaiah 51 two: look to Abraham, your father, spiritual father for all of us who are born again and to Sarah who gave birth to you in pain when he was but one. I called him. Now, this is not talking about his age. It's not about when he was one year old. It's about when he was just one person. He didn't have any sons. He didn't have any daughters. He didn't have any children. It was God called him when he was one. God called him a father of a multitude of nations when he was one. God called him the father of the blessed nations. He called him the father of our faith when he was one. He called him Abraham when his name was started out as Abraham. When he was just one person, God called him a father of many nations. Don't allow your current conditions to determine how you define your calling. God's calling over your life is not determined and is not measured by your current conditions or your current circumstance. When Abraham was one, God called him a multitude. When Abraham was one, God called him like the father of if you can count the sands of the sea, if you can count the sands by the seashore, if you can count the stars in sky, that's how many children you're going to have. That's how many descendants you're going to have. When he was but one, he called him that. This is what the Bible means when it says that God calls those things that be not as though they already were. He calls those things that be not. You're a father of many nations. He calls those things that be not. You're healed by his stripes. You might not see the healing, you might not feel the healing, but God calls you healed before you even see it. So you start calling yourself what God calls you before you see it, and things, the blessing is gonna start showing up in your life because faith. Faith is seen. Faith is revealed in the steps we take. I'm not going to let you forget that because it's so important that we get a hold of this truth. Your faith is revealed in the steps that you take. Now, back to what the Lord corrected me about, I want you to go to um, (laughs) back to Genesis chapter 13 and verse eight Abraham's Abram at the time said to lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen, and your herdsmen for we are brethren is not the whole land before you. If you I want you to please separate from me. If you take the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Please separate from me. And, you know, I talked about this last week when we were together like this and I told you that one of the things, one of the steps that Abraham had to take was he had to separate himself from the wrong people and separate himself from the wrong things. And boy, God got a hold of me after I was sharing that. And he said, son, when I say to separate from things, it starts not with other people, because so often we do interpret this as separating from other people. And in this case, in Abraham's life, it was a separation from lot. But God spoke to me and he said, you know what? You got to separate from first before you determine if there's any people you need to distance yourself from. He said, first, you have to distance yourself from the person you used to be. God said, you see, that's where it starts, son. It starts with you. It doesn't start with somebody else. It doesn't start with you separating yourself from somebody else. It starts with you separating yourself from the person you used to be. So I began to write down, you know, furiously to make sure I got them all down the things that I felt like God was speaking to me about what we should separate ourselves from. And so I want to drill down a little on that for a moment. And so when the Bible says, please separate from me. When we talk about separating yourself, do you know that that's what actually what holiness means? It means to separate yourself from something. And it means to set yourself apart from something and for something, not just from something, but for something we're separating ourselves from And we're separating ourselves for we're separating ourselves for the glory of God. But we're separating ourselves from here you go. Ready? Like I said earlier, in a moment ago, first, separate yourself from who you used to be. You know, the 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 gossiper that you used to be, the offended person that you used to be, the the person that always saw yourself in negative light. Separate yourself from that version of yourself separate yourself from the version of what people used to call you when you grew up. They called you stupid. They called you slow. They called you this or they called you that they called you things. And you began to allow those things to take shape inside of your soul. And you began to view yourself in those ways. I've heard many stories where a teacher called a student stupid. And yet that student had to realize that he had to separate himself. She had to separate herself from that opinion of herself. She couldn't allow what somebody else's opinion about her to couldn't allow that to determine her own opinion or his own opinion about himself or herself. So we have to separate ourselves from who we thought we were based on who people said we were. We have to separate ourselves from twenty twenty ones version of us because we're not in that year anymore. We have to separate ourselves from 2020, 2021, 2019, 2018's version of ourselves. We have to separate ourselves from an inferior identity of ourselves. Oh, I want you to hear this. We need to separate ourselves from an inferior identity. Identity is really the root of everything that God intends in our lives. When we know who we are, we will fulfill his purpose for our lives, for it is only in Christ. Remember that verse in Ephesians 111, I think in the message Bible, it says it is for it is only in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for, who we are and what we're living for. We we will only know what we're living for when we first know who we are and we will only know who we are when we understand our identity in Christ identity. You can't listen, identity, exactly matches the output that you the steps that you take in faith. In other words, you can't be convinced in your mind that there's more for you. You can't be convinced in your mind that you're made for more and then you end up doing less. You're made for more and you end up expecting less. If you know in your heart, if you're convinced in your heart that you're made for more, that's identity. When you're convinced in your heart, you're made for more. You will end up expecting more. You will end up raising yourself up more. You will end up building yourself up more. You'll end up doing more to see that identity come to pass in your life. You see. You can't believe in your heart that you're meant for more while you expect less. You can't believe in your heart that you're meant for more and then settle for less. If you know your true identity in Christ, you know you're meant for more. And if you know you're meant for more, you'll start expecting more in this life, more of God's wisdom, more of God's blessing, more of God's favor, more of God's goodness. Well, this really encourages me and I hope it encourages you when you know who you are in Christ, you'll separate yourself from who you were, who you were without him. You'll separate yourself from that opinion of yourself that was without him. When you know who you are, you'll separate yourself from negativity, from your negative self-talk, you'll separate yourself from. You see, as I mentioned, So often we think we should cut ourselves off from negative people and we should. But sometimes we have to realize the negative person is us. So while you're cutting off all these negative people from you from yourself, but you're not separating yourself from your own negativity, then it did no good. And it will not help that you separated from the people that you perceived as being negative. When you stay negative, you see, we have to realize it starts with us. And that's what that's what God corrected me about. And I just want to make sure that I drill down on that to really get this across to you when Abram separated himself from Lot. God spoke to me about it and said, I want you to separate yourself from who you used to be, separate yourself from an inferior identity of yourself, separate yourself from the negativity that you've believed in, the negativity that I've thought of myself, separate myself from regret, separate myself from a shame based relationship with God that I only come to him when I'm guilty or I stay away from him when I'm when I feel guilty. We have to not live by shame. We can't allow our relationship with God to be based on shame and guilt and condemnation. I had to separate myself from condemnation. I had to separate myself from condemning myself. I had to separate my, separate myself from judging myself, not from critiquing, not from improving. I'm going to improve and critique myself, but I can't beat myself up. You can't beat yourself up. And no matter what you're going through, you have to separate yourself from that self abuse. You have to separate yourself from not forgiving yourself, separate yourself from unforgiveness. And again, it starts with us. We don't separate ourselves from people that don't forgive us. We need to separate ourselves from our own unforgiveness toward ourselves. That's where it all starts. Separate yourself from the inclination for settling. See. In life, you can be a pioneer or you can be a settler. A pioneer blazes a new trail. A pioneer has to cut through the forest. A pioneer has to cut cut down trees. A pioneer has to face negative circumstances. A settler just goes in where the pioneer has already carved out the land and the settler goes and enjoys the land that somebody else opened up and as somebody else blazed a trail for. I believe you're called to be a trailblazer yourself. I believe you're called to be somebody who truly is a pioneer. And in life, we're so often faced with opportunities to settle for where we're at about ourselves, settle for where we're at in our success, settle for where we're at in our relationships, settle for where we're at. We got to we got to separate ourselves from this this inclination this tendency for settling for less than what God has for you, sometimes because we're afraid we won't find more that God has or the the bigger purpose. in life. Sometimes we think because we won't find something better because we won't experiencing something better, we're afraid we won't experience something better. So we settle for our current experience. We won't ever find something better than what we have right now. So we don't we're not bold. We stop taking chances. We stop taking risks. We got to separate ourselves from that inclination of being a settler. God has so much more for you, and it all starts with identity. So this is what we're going to separate ourselves from. This is what I want to encourage you. I'm, I'm learning to separate myself from these things about myself. And you need to learn to separate yourself from these things about yourself as well. I hope that encourages you. And I want to jump to one of the other ones that we mentioned last time, but we didn't drill down on. And it says in verse 14, by the way, and the Lord said to Abram after lot after lot had separated from him. I got to say this. Notice what happens when you separate yourself from who you used to be from the negative DNA impression that you had of yourself. What once Abraham separated himself and the Lord said to Abraham. Now God is speaking to him after lot had separated from him. Now you see what happens when you separate yourself from those negative things in your way of thinking those negative images of yourself, those negative impressions of yourself. God begins to speak to you. God begins to make things clearer to you and God begins to bless you above and beyond your wildest expectations. That's why it says, and the Lord said to Abram after lot had separated from him, lift your eyes up now. Now you're going to see something better. Now lift your eyes north and look from this place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward, he said, for the land which I the land for which you see, I give to you and your seed forever, you and your descendants forever. And we're his descendants. And so we need to be expecting this kind of blessing manifesting in our lives. But notice it was when he separated himself, when you separate yourself from that old version of you, separate yourself from the negative things about you. Notice God begins to speak and God opens your eyes to something beyond what you could have ever imagined. And he has given it to you. Woo. And then look on what he says Verse 17, arise, walk in the land through its length and its width. For I give it to you. And verse 18, then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the Terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron and built an altar there to the Lord. Now we had touched on this passage, but I really want to drill down again on this and go deeper. He built an altar An altar represents a place of worship. An altar represents a place of sacrifice. An altar represents a place of prayer, a place of God's presence, a place of coming to God. Altar here also represents the church. And the Bible says Abraham built an altar there to the Lord, to the Lord. And I want to encourage you that One of the steps that brings you into the blessing of the Lord in every way is becoming a builder, becoming a builder. I'm not talking about becoming a builder of houses and a builder of buildings. By all means, you can become that if you want. Maybe some of you are that already, but this is talking about building the things of God, building the things of God. Well, I wrote down a few of the things that we need to begin to take seriously about building and making this a habit in our lives of building the altar, building God's house, building the things of God. You say, well, I'm not a you might say I'm not a pastor, I'm not a a ministry, per, a ministry person. I, I just have this. I had all of us are builders. You're building your family, you're building your wealth, you're building your health, you're building, you're building your future, you're building, you're rebuilding yourself from being broken. There's or all builders building a family, building a life, building a nest egg. I mean, we could go through a list of things all of us build all the time. You can think of things that I haven't thought of or I haven't said. But you understand the point here is that deciding you're not going to just take whatever life gives, but you're going to build something with your life. You're going to build the things that matter to God. And what are those things? I believe being a builder of the things of God means being a builder of the following four things. I believe that when we when we when we take the step of faith and see ourselves as builders, it means we build people. We build people up. We build them up by encouraging them. We build them up by praying for them. We build them up by being a positive influence in their life. We build people up. We don't see people as something to get from, but we see people as something to help build up, to encourage one another. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse eleven says, encourage one another, build up one another, just as you are also are doing. God is telling us that we're builders of one another, building the love of God amongst one another, building, encouraging, inspiring one another. Listen, people are everything to God. My people, God spoke to me a year ago or more. My people are everything to me, son. My people are everything to me. Be a builder of the things of God. The first thing that is of God is people, people, Be a builder of people. Number two, be a builder of unity. You know, it's easy to tear things down. It's easy to be negative. It's so easy to be a a person who reigns on other people's parades or other people's celebrations. It's easy to out of insecurity judge others that are having success. It's easy to try to disqualify other people from success. But it's important that we become builders of unity, that every time we hear of a brother or sister, a person, another human that has gone through misfortune in any way, we shouldn't pile on with negativity. We should build unity. We should try to build bridges with people. We shouldn't try to tear people down. We shouldn't speak negatively when others are speaking negatively, whether it be about somebody else, whether it be about God, whether it be about God's church, God's people. We need to be team players. We need to build team, build unity. We need to be a part of a team and and realize that we win. We this is the power of we, the power of us. There's something very power, powerful about that. When Jesus came to the earth, they said he is his name shall be Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. Us, the power of us, the power of we. Unity, teamwork, be builders of those things, whether it's in your family, teach your children to be a team, whether it's at work, teach the people you work with to be a team, be a part of the team, be willing to invest in others and be committed to seeing other people succeed. We want everybody to succeed. When we succeed, I succeed. When it's we, it's you. We should be for team and that's how you win. We know it's been said a million times, there's no I in team. But we have to realize that there is an I in win, but we only win with each other. We win when we build unity. I love that gift that God's given us to be builders. It's a step of faith to be a builder, step of faith to invest in others, a step of faith to be a part of a team when you could be do everything by yourself on your own. But God hasn't called us to do that. He's called us to build team, be a builder of the population of heaven. You know, every time we preach on Sundays, we invite people to be saved. Who are those people that we're inviting to be saved? They're the people that you bring. They're the people that you talk to. They're the people that you invite. They're the people that you helped lead to the Lord. They're the people that We are trying to reach there like we we don't want a club that is just the few of us. We want to populate heaven. We want to win more souls. God, give us the spirit In fact, Pray this right now. Lord, give me wisdom to win souls. Lord, give me wisdom to win souls. Give us wisdom to win more souls. The Bible says in uh, uh, Proverbs 11, verse 30, I think he that is wise wins souls. He that is wise wins souls. The wisdom of God wins souls. I pray for wisdom. God, you said we could ask for wisdom. Give us wisdom, not just so we can succeed in life. Give us wisdom to win souls. Give me wisdom. Give each person connecting here wisdom. Give our church wisdom. Give other churches wisdom to win souls. Give other people all around this world wisdom. We pray for the wisdom to win souls, Lord, in Jesus name. Well, I love that verse. I love that verse. Win others that make them a part of the family of God, help them go to heaven when they die by getting born again. So number one, we build we're builders of the things of God. What are those things? People, including yourself, build yourself up, encourage yourself, but people, including yourself. And in addition to yourself, builders of unity, builders of team, We need to be builders of populating heaven, being soul winners, taking this gospel all over everywhere to everyone that we can to win souls to Jesus. We don't want anybody missing. We don't want anybody missing out on the salvation that Jesus paid so dearly for us to have the free gift of salvation. Let's take this message to the world. And what else are we to be builders? We're to be builders of the church. We're, we're to be builders of the, the body of Christ. How do we do that? We build the church when we serve in our church. We build the church when we attend our church. We build the church when we pray for our church. We build the church when we give in our tithes and offerings. We build the church when we share the gospel. We build the church when we enthusiastically support the vision of the church. We build the church when we love what God loves and he loves the church. He loves the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. He loves the church. He's passionate about us being together, He's passionate about us being together with each other and with him. He's so passionate about these things. Let's be builders. Abraham took a step of faith, decided I'm going to build the things of God. I'm going to build an altar. The things of God. Are you a builder? If you're not, take the next step. What can you do? You can start encouraging somebody, be a builder of people. You can say amen and yes and and be a part of the solution rather than a part of the problem by believing in unity, praying for unity, being a part of unity, be a part of the team. You can take that step of faith by helping populate heaven. You can be a builder by populating heaven by getting souls saved. Click, send the link of our salvation page, lifechangerschurch.com/salvation. Send that link to people and explain, hey, if you just take a quick look at this, it'll just introduce you to some goodness that you probably didn't know God had for you. There's so many ways you can populate heaven. Wind souls and water those seeds be a builder by building the church, using your gifts in the church family, serving, praying, attending, giving, sharing. These are the things that. We can say we're building the things of God. Well, I hope this encourages you today. I really pray that you see yourself the way God sees you as a part of the family of God, as a part of the things of God. I pray that you'll stop waiting. To call yourself what God calls you, I pray that you'll stop waiting to see yourself the way God sees you, and I pray that you will stop waiting to be qualified to make an impact. You can make an impact right now because God has called you regardless of your circumstances called you great things. He's called you blessed, even though you're not seeing the blessing show up. Take these steps of faith, begin with just one step of faith and you will see the blessing of God begin to show up in your life because faith shows up in the steps we take. Let me pray for you. And first and foremost, I want to invite. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, if you've never been sure that you're going to die when you go to heaven. You've never been sure that you're saved. You can be sure, you know, you don't have to wonder, am I saved? Am I still saved? It's really simple. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Just say this out loud, say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. And from this moment forward, I am a child of God. Amen. It's that simple. Then click the link on the screen or in the comment section, and you'll see that a little book that you can download anywhere in the world is absolutely free. It is the next steps of this journey with God. It's called The Power of a New Life. And you got one. Now you have a power. You have the power of a new life. Now discover what that is. Get that download absolutely free It's my gift to you. And I bless you in Jesus name. I declare you're blessed coming in. You're blessed going out. I declare that you because you belong to Christ, your Abraham's seed, your heirs of all of these promised blessings. The Lord blessed Abraham in every way. And the Lord is going to bless you in every way. In Jesus name, we'll see you at our next service. God bless.